Well, as, as I was uh, sharing before, uh, pastor's home and taking some rest today. And uh, uh, But as always, even when a pastor's not with his flock, you can never, ever take the flock out of a pastor's heart. And so you know that he sends his love and his greetings to you today. And uh, looking forward to getting rested and fully recovered. Because there's no other place he'd rather be than with you. And that's the truth. Amen. It's good to know you're loved. It's good to know the Lord loves you. It's good to know that your pastor loves you. You know, it's just such a reassuring thing to know that you're well taken care of by the person that God has commissioned to look out for you and to watch for your souls. Amen. Amen. Gentlemen, we're getting a little bit of something up here, but it just stopped, so that's good. Just a little bit of hum, but I think the hum is gone now. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning about a uh, very interesting topic. I, I call this, who can God trust with a big project? Who can God trust with a big project? And uh, very fitting to go along with the song that we just heard today. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the qualities that were found in, in two people who got the, the biggest project of all times, that being Joseph and Mary. How many would say that their assignment and their project that they had put into their hands was a, a pretty big responsibility? Lord have mercy. <laughs> I mean, how many of you imperfect people would want to raise a perfect child? Come on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but uh, uh, the, I believe that that there was not, uh, it was not an accident that God would choose Joseph and Mary for the assignment that he gave them. As a matter of fact, I believe that they show some characteristics that were very key to them being able to receive this assignment from the Lord. But the real truth of the matter is everybody has an assignment. There was only one couple who was ever going to have the assignment of raising up the Lord Jesus Christ. That was Joseph and Mary. That was one and done. There's not a not another one like that. But how, at the same time, that does not minimize the assignments that God has given to us. Because in God's grand scheme, everybody has a purpose. In God's grand scheme, everybody has a destiny. Everybody has a job to do. And whether or not we do that job is so important because as a matter of fact, uh, we stand here today in this place because the founding father and the founding mother of Faith Christian Center did their assignment. And if they did not do their assignment, what would have happened? Could the Lord have used somebody else? Yes, he could have. But could things have been delayed? Yeah. Yeah. Would the church be at the point where it's at today? Maybe not so. Maybe this church would have actually been behind the time playing catch up due to someone's disobedience. So fulfilling the assignment that God has given you is important 
Because in many cases, the assignment that God has given you has to do with the assignment God has given somebody else. You know, the assignment that God has given to us to raise our children is such an important assignment because whether or not we do that and do that correctly has everything to do with whether our children can fulfill their assignment correctly. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So I, I want to focus in, and if we got time for them all, I'd like to hit 10 things that the scriptures show about the characteristics found in uh, uh, Joseph and Mary that I believe were very key in him being able to use them for such a big project as he used them for. And us having those same qualities in our life will get us ready and prepared to be able to fulfill the project, to fulfill the assignment that God has given us as well. Are you ready? All right, we're going to spend a lot of time in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of um, Matthew as well. Go to Luke chapter 1, and you might as well keep uh, a bookmark or your little ribbon or piece of paper in Matthew 1 because we're going to spend a lot of time in Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 1 and 2. But we're going to go to Luke first. Who can God trust with a big project? Well, you say, well, you know, I can't imagine me having a big project. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that if we all say that about ourselves, how much does not get done? If we all minimize our assignments and say, well, it's just only me. It's only my job and my assignment. It's not like that's important in the grand scheme of things. What if everybody said that? What if Billy Graham said that? What if Kenneth E. Hagin said that? What if Pastor John said that? Think about somebody who's been so influential in your life and imagine what would your life be like if they just treated their assignment like it was whole hum, like it really didn't matter if they did it or not. It didn't matter in the grand scheme of things whether they did their job or not. It matters. Let me tell you, church, it matters. And so let's take a look at the life of Joseph and Mary here. Numero uno. You got to have an openness and a sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Openness and sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Luke 1 verse 35 says this. And the angel answered and said to her. That's the angel Gabriel. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Interesting thing that when the angel Gabriel showed up to Mary, he talked about the Holy Spirit coming on her and the power of the highest overshadowing her. And in order to receive that, she had to be willing to receive the working of the Holy Spirit in her life. She had to yield. The Holy Spirit does not just knock you over and make you do stuff. The Holy Spirit is one whom we yield to. We yield to him. 
He, he, he's uh, nudging us in a certain direction and we go in that direction with him. But he's not going to go ahead and try to pound you off the head. There's a matter of us yielding and submitting ourselves to him and flowing with him. Right in that same chapter, look at uh, verse 41. Now, now you see this as a result of what happened in verse 35 and Mary being willing to receive the Holy Spirit's work in her life. Verse 41 could happen. Now, verse 41 uh, uh, Mary went to visit her uh, uh, cousin or, or fellow kinswoman named Elizabeth. And verse 41 says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? You've got somebody upon whom the Holy Spirit comes and the power of the highest is overshadowing her and goes to talk to somebody else and that somebody else she talks to, that baby starts having church in her belly and she gets filled with the Holy Ghost. How does that happen? It happens because when you allow the Holy Spirit to impact you, you are also allowing him to impact others through you. Oh, I've got to say it again for somebody. When you allow the Holy Spirit to impact you, you are also allowing him to impact others through you. And there's no doubt, no question that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a sensitivity and an openness to the Holy Spirit. Because when you read in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had already lived his life, died, buried, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, it's very interesting. It starts naming people that were in what was called the upper room. And one of those named as being there was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And those people that were named in Acts chapter 1 were the people who were gathered together right there in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Where it says they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound like as of a rushing mighty wind. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So that openness and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that Mary had even prior to Jesus being born was further manifest all the way through her life. Because that initial time on the day of Pentecost when the believers were first filled with the Holy Ghost, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And was filled with the Holy Ghost with the rest of the disciples. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So numero uno. Openness and sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. So very important. For us to be able to fulfill our assignment from the Lord. Number two. The importance of being just. You know, the term just is often used in scripture. We hear the term often, the just shall live by faith. We, we hear about the, the just, the righteous terms that are being used really synonymously throughout scripture. Joseph was a just man. And if, if you want to be able to have some, some trust from the Lord, you, you know, it's like 
It's like, you know, some people, they have that attitude. I, I want to be trusted with more. I, I want the Lord to entrust me with more stuff. Well, the Lord certainly desires to do that, but there's certain criteria that must be met because the Lord's not just going to go ahead and put a big project on someone who's just off track because his projects are too important. Now, will the Lord give a project to someone who's not perfect? Yeah, because you, me, and everybody is in that category. So, I mean, the, the Lord don't have much choice as far as that's concerned and well, th- th- this one's too important. I need to give this to someone who is uh, <laughs> perfect <laughs> because there is not one of us who are. However, at the same time, that does not mean that there's not things that we can do that can prepare ourselves and put ourselves in a position where we can be used by him to a greater degree. The Bible talks about different vessels, talks about uh, uh, the, the, the uh, uh of vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor, uh, where Paul wrote to Timothy about that. Talks about gold and silver and wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble ultimately gets burned up. Gold and silver, when it goes through the fire, it can stand the test of the fire. So I want to be a vessel to be used by God. But what kind of vessel you are is determined by you. Joseph was a just man. And that was one of the things that I believe that the Lord saw and knew that he could entrust him. Look at this, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1. Let's look at verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So that means that Jesus was not a result of their coming together. Jesus was a result of the Holy Ghost overshadowing Mary. Jesus was the seed of God planted in Mary's womb. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, verse 19, you see, the Bible reveals that, but as far as Joseph's concerned, he'd be in the same fix that all the rest of us would be in. He said, all right, my betrothed is pregnant, and I didn't do it. Think about it. I mean, that's the reality of what was going on. And you think it's a big deal in 2011, just think what a big deal it was in, in, in this day. As a matter of fact, Lord, it should be a bigger deal in 2011 than it is. Don't get me started now. Now look at the next verse, verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, And not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. So he was going to dissolve the relationship. He was pondering doing that, but he was going to do that secretly and not make a scene out of it. And it's interesting 
that the Bible says that that particular aspect of his character, that rather than just slamming the hammer and exposing this woman for what she's done, even though you and I know that she didn't do anything but obey God, but because of the appearance of what it looked like was going on, Joseph could have slammed the hammer. But it said that he was a just man and did not want to make her a public example, but was minded to put her away secretly. Don't you know the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. It's amazing how we can be so quick sometimes to want to expose somebody else. But we're never that quick for us to be exposed. We're, we're, we're always that way towards somebody else, but not towards us. You know, slam the hammer on somebody else, but when it comes to me, mercy, mercy, mercy. But when you're just, when you deal with things righteously, this is one of the things that you're aware of. I love what Galatians 6 1 says. Galatians 6 1 says, Brethren, if a man or a woman is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So the real heart of God is not slamming the hammer. Is there a time where the hammer may need to be slammed? Yeah, the time may come. But the character of God is that he's slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. That means God will go there if he has to go there, but he'd rather not go there. And that's not just a New Testament picture of God. That's Old Testament. You know, people think that God was mean in the Old Testament, nice in the New Testament. Now, he's always been the same. He's always been the same. He just had to work with people according to two different covenants, but he's always been the same. And to think about that that aspect of the character of God, being slow to anger. Uh, It it is said in Revelation chapter 2 or chapter 3 to one of the churches there, it said they let a a woman named Jezebel in their church. It was not the the original Jezebel who was uh, King Ahab's uh, wife. But, but it, was, uh, it, it was a woman who was operating under that same evil spirit that Jezebel operated under. And Jesus said that I gave her space to repent of her fornication, but she did not repent. So you see that aspect of the heart of God, that, that, that he's not just going to slam the, the hammer right away. He gave her space to repent. He gave her time to get it right and she didn't. And because she didn't, ultimately then judgment came. But the idea of slamming the hammer and judgment falling right away, that is not God's pattern. And the thing is, is that neither was it Joseph's pattern because he was a just man. It's very interesting what you can learn 
You, you, you think it's all about the Christmas story and, and it's, thank God for the Christmas story. But aspects of the character of these two people that are so totally applicable to our lives today. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number three. Submit yourself to the word that was spoken to you and just flat out be a believer. <laughs> Submit yourself to the word that was spoken to you. Be a believer. Luke 1, go back to Luke 1. Luke chapter 1. Verse 38, let's read that first. This is Mary's response to the angel Gabriel. When the angel Gabriel tells her all these amazing things that are about to happen. Look at the spirit that she has here. And the spirit we all need to have. Luke 1, 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, I tell you, what a place for all of us to be in, to be able to say to the Lord regarding anything that he talks to us about regarding our assignment, to be in a place to just simply submit to the word that's spoken to us and to be able to say, Lord, behold, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Sounds like faith, doesn't it? Well, I'll tell you, go ahead and look at verse 45, and we're going to read the words that Elizabeth spoke to Mary. Elizabeth, uh, who Mary went to visit, who was the mother of John the Baptist. Verse 45, Elizabeth said to Mary, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Come on, somebody. So when you see that you're submitting yourself to the word that was spoken to you, when you are a believer in that word that was spoken to you, you put yourself in a position where that word can be fulfilled. Because whether or not that word is fulfilled or not has a whole lot to do with your faith. Has a whole lot to do with your faith. See, there are some things that God can do one way or the other. Some things that are just flat out going to happen. For instance, when it comes to the, the, the wrapping up of this age and the, the end of these days, it's going to happen just like God said it's going to happen. You can pray that it doesn't, but those prayers aren't going to bounce off the ceiling because that, that's locked in. There's no way that that is irreversible. That will happen. But there are a lot of things that are not irreversible. There are some things that can happen or cannot happen. And whether they do or not, there are some things that are more up to us than it's up to God. You say, well, Pastor Ray, how can that be? I thought God was sovereign. Yeah, God was sovereign. God is sovereign. God always will be sovereign. But God made a sovereign decision to give you a free will to do what you wanted to do. Where even if you chose not to serve him, you would have that ability to choose not to serve him. So 
So, you know, we never have to have any concern about God's side of anything. God's side of anything is always taken care of. But man, I'll tell you, we sure do need to pay attention to our side of it and to see to it that we are doing what we need to do in order to get the benefit that God desires us to get. And the benefit God desires us to get is the fulfillment of his word, the fulfillment of those things, those promises that were spoken to us. God's desire is for us to see those things fulfilled and for us to see those things fulfilled. We need to submit to that word and we need to be believers. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's talk about obedience for a while. Number four, we see different aspects of the, the obedience that Mary and Joseph walked in as they were given direction by the Lord. First thing I want to see is that their obedience was immediate. Go to Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1. Hallelujah. These factors are are, are very, very important when it comes to you fulfilling your assignment. Obedience matters. Let me tell you, obedience matters. Because if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. If you don't, then you get those results in reverse. I'd rather have a curse in reverse than a blessing in reverse. Hey, can I hear somebody say amen? All right, Matthew 1. Let's look at this. We're going to see this very clearly. Their, Their obedience was immediate. Matthew 1, after the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said to him, Take Mary to be your wife, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. In verse 24, it says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took to him his wife. So what happened? He, he got instructions in a dream. He woke up and he did it. All right, Matthew 2. Now, uh, in the verse 13, uh, It says that when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Immediate obedience. See, there, there's times, you see, you, you can't just say, Lord, I'll get around to it. Because if, if Joseph was going to take that kind of position with God, say, Lord, I, I, you know, I, I know I need to go to Egypt, but I'll just get around to it. You know, it's going to take a while to pack up, you know, our, our things here. And, uh, uh, you know, we kind of uh, uh, don't want to be in that much of a rush as, you know, coming up with a whole bunch of excuses. And what would have happened if Joseph delayed his obedience? I'll tell you what would have happened. What could have happened is that Joseph could have been in Bethlehem at the time the Herod's army came in there with swords wanting to kill every young man two years old or younger. So was immediate obedience important? I'd say yes. Because it keeps you from being at the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Oh, we're learning something today. Come on. So in verse in chapter one, he had that dream. And when he woke from sleep, he did. Chapter two, he, he awoke from that dream. And it says when he arose, he took. When he arose, he took little baby, Jesus, his wife, Mary, headed for Egypt. Also Matthew two. Um, let's start with verse 19. It says, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. So what happened? God said, arise and take. Verse 21, he arose and took. Immediate obedience. Look at verse 22. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. So initially, Joseph had a dream. He was aroused from his sleep and he did it. Joseph had a dream. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother and went to Egypt. Joseph had a dream. And then he arose and took the young child and his mother back to Israel. Joseph had a dream. And then he turned aside into the region of Galilee. Immediate, specific obedience. Oh, come on. Do you see the need for that in your life? As a matter of fact, that leads into our next point. The, the, the fact that not only was their obedience immediate, but their obedience was thorough. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. In verse 39, Luke 2 and verse 39, it says this. So when they, they being Joseph and Mary, had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. But what did they do first? They performed all things according to the law of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that Jesus was brought to be presented in the temple on the eighth day, circumcised. That means that the offering that was to be offered was offered in the temple. And they performed all things according to the law of the Lord. Not just immediate obedience, but thorough obedience where you're not looking to leave something out and conveniently forget about something. You can fool somebody else that way, but you can't fool God that way. Because he knows that you are fully aware of what you left out. And it's interesting, sometimes we strictly look at sin in the area of commission But I tell you, there's also things known as sins of omission, which is not something you commit, it's something you omit, it's something you leave out. But we're we're not just going to have immediate obedience, we're going to have thorough obedience. 
We're going to follow the Lord's instructions right down to the letter. We say, no, that's, Pastor Ray, that sounds legalistic. But, but you know, it's not being legalistic. It's being smart that if God's specific about something, you be specific about something. And if God's not specific about something, then he, you know, he may leave that one up to you. You know, I mean, you know, the idea of someone praying and fasting, should, should I get the red one or the blue one? I don't think you got to spend a whole lot of time praying and fasting whether you get the red one or the blue one. Will the Lord help you get the best deal? Yeah. Well, does the Lord know things to come? The Holy Ghost knows things to come, can warn you that well, if you get this one, you'll have problems up ahead. But if you get this one, this one will work better. And I'm talking in terms like that because I just bought a car. So, you know, you're thinking in those terms. <laughs> I wasn't worried about the color, believe me. It's like, all right, Lord, which one going to have the least problems years down the road? But, but immediate, thorough obedience Now let's go on to another factor. Number six is the fact that their obedience was not affected by whether or not they fully understood what was going on. Oh, their obedience was not affected by whether or not they fully understood what was going on. Now you're in Luke two, go to Luke one. I want to see some things here and you're going to see the humanity you know, a lot of times, especially this time of year, we see the halos, you know, the bright shining lights over everybody's head. But, but, you know, you read the Bible, you see a little more humanity than halos. Luke chapter one. And, and, and uh, let's look at some of the reactions that they had along the way. Talking about Joseph and Mary. Here's the reaction Mary had to the angel. Verse 29. As it says, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. So her initial instinct was that, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Just like ladies, if, if you had that happen to you, you probably have a reaction like that too. Are, are we just being real today? <laughs> she was troubled at the saying. Consider what kind of manner of greeting is this? Look at verse 34. Also in the the conversation she's having with the angel. She said in verse 34, how can this be since I do not know a man? How am I going to be pregnant with the son of God? I've never been with a man. So you see, there, there was things about this process Things about this project and this assignment that they did not understand. But their lack of understanding about the whole picture did not affect their obedience. They continued to obey and go forward even though they did not understand every detail of it yet. Look at chapter 2, verse 33. It says, and Joseph and His mother, that's Jesus' mother, Mary, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I mean, imagine, here they are just marveling, standing in wonder, standing there with their mouth open. 
How would you react? In verse 50, uh, in the same chapter, right after Jesus goes into the temple, remember, and gets left behind in the temple and, and said, son, we've been looking all over for you. Where you been? And he said, well, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house about my father's business? And verse 50 says, they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They did not understand the statement that he said to them. But let me ask you this. When you don't understand, when there's things about the assignment, when there's things about what's going on in your life, things about what the Lord wants you to do, and you just don't quite get it all, Will you go ahead and obey anyhow just because you know it's right? Will you go ahead and obey anyhow just because you know the Lord's calling you to go in that direction? Where even though you don't get the whole picture that you can trust God enough even when you don't understand. Sounds to me like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean up. On your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So when you don't get it all, when you don't see the whole picture, when there's things that just leave you puzzled, leave you wondering, leave you marveling, leave you saying, well, I I just, there's some things I just don't get. Will you obey even when you don't understand the whole picture? Will you obey until the picture's clear? Will you press through in your obedience until you get to the point where you say, now I know what the Lord was up to, even though back then I didn't see it all. Come on now. Thorough obedience, immediate obedience, and obedience even when you don't fully understand it all. Another interesting thing, number seven. They were responsible with their assignment. How did they respond? I mentioned to you a minute ago when when Jesus was uh, over at the temple in Jerusalem. How did they respond? Luke 2 verse 45. It says, so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Joseph and Mary had an assignment. Their assignment was Jesus. Jesus was their assignment. I would say they got off the course of the assignment because they were going one way and the assignment was left back in Jerusalem. How many of you have ever felt that way in your life that, that, that you, you know you had an assignment from God and, and at a certain point in your life you felt like you were going to Nazareth when the assignment was back in Jerusalem somewhere? What do you do at that point? It's interesting that it says here very clearly, they returned. They returned. I said they returned. And what were they doing? They were seeking him. (laughs) When you ever get off track, return to the last place where you were on track. If you ever get off track, return to the last place that you were on track. Return and do what they did. They did it in the most literal of the sense, but we got to do it every day of our life. They returned to Jerusalem, and what were they doing? Seeking him. Seeking 
him. So when you get off track, return and seek him. Be responsible with the assignment that was given to you. Because if you don't do it, will God have to get somebody else to do it? Will will the timing be off? It's not that God's ultimate will won't get done. But there's a lot of things that happen in this world that aren't God's best. I want the best. I don't want second best. I want the best. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and continue as we're about to wrap up. Joseph was patient. Number eight. Are you patient? How patient are you? We see over in Matthew 1 and verse 20. Right after Joseph was approached with the fact that Mary was pregnant and he was thinking about possibly putting her away secretly, you know, uh, uh, canceling the engagement, canceling the marriage secretly. And verse 20, it says, while he thought about these things. That's when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Isn't it good to take some time to think before you act sometimes? Just have that little bit of delay that's long enough to keep you from doing something too soon. To keep you from scrambling the eggs. Because when the eggs get scrambled, you can't unscramble them. Just having that little bit of delay, that, that patience, we're saying, I need to make a decision, but I need to do it slowly and I need to make sure it's right. My Lord. Be patient. Oh, boy, will that help you in fulfilling your assignment. It'll keep you from being impetuous. You heard that word before? Impetuous. Someone who can fly off the handle too quick, do, do things too rashly, do things, you know, uh, you know be, uh, it's called being trigger happy. Pastor Sam used to have a word for it. He, he called it being an ear chopper. But that's what Peter did. You know, Peter's confronted with uh, an issue there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, uh, you know, his first reflex was not to, you know, kind of process the situation and think about it. No, just take out the knife out of the sheath and cut off someone's ear. Quick reflexes. I, I look at it this way. There was a difference between a reaction and a response. This is not Webster. This is Pastor Ray's dictionary here. There's a difference between a reaction and a response as far as I'm concerned. And the way I divide it in my own mind. Because a reaction is when you just do something that's kind of knee jerk and you know there's no thought given to it. No no pondering of what I should do or not do. But a response is something that is well thought out. And when you're making decisions... And decisions that will affect you and affect others, affect your family. 
When you know you're making a decision that's going to be like putting a rock in the pond and there's going to be a whole lot of ripples. You want to make sure that those ripples are good ripples. Beneficial ripples for the other people that will be affected by them. So be patient. Be patient. Don't be rash. Number nine, be a praiser. Luke chapter 1, 46 and 47, and of course it goes beyond that. But it's the beautiful words that Mary spoke to Elizabeth, commonly known as the Magnificat. And she begins by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. You want to go ahead and fulfill your assignment. Be a praiser. Be a praiser. What does that do? First of all, it keeps you appreciative. And then besides that, it also keeps you very mindful of the one who gave you the assignment. And the best way to fulfill the assignment is to keep your eyes on the one who gave it to you. Because as you keep your eyes on the one who gave it to you, you know you're always heading in the right direction. As long as you can see him, you know you're in the right direction. When you take your eyes off him, that's where you get off track. But be a praiser. Oh, my goodness. Don't get me started. Because I'm just thoroughly convinced that there's many of you. Oh, Lordy. There's many of you here today and you have not had breakthroughs in your life that you've been wanting. But one of the big reasons why is because there is a serious lack of praise, worship, and thanksgiving in your life. There's a whole lot of rah, 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 rah. Grumbling. Murmuring. Complaining about the situations of life. But when you get praise and worship and thanksgiving going on, you put yourself in a position where you can have the breakthrough that you so desperately need to have. And I'm telling you today that if there's some of you that you know God's talking to you by this very word, that if you would get on the stick and start praising and worshiping and then stop complaining, you will see breakthroughs that'll just make your mind say, whoa, look at that. You mean I just had to become a praiser, become a worshiper? That's all I had to do to get a breakthrough? Yeah. Hallelujah. You'll be like the, the one that the psalmist described. You have the high praises of God in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. Come on. Hallelujah. And as we wrap this up, number 10, never forget what was promised to you. Never forget the experiences that you have with God along the way. Luke chapter 2 and verse 19 says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Interesting. Everything that was said, everything that was done, she kept those things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 51 of Luke chapter 2. 
It says, then he went down with them, that being Jesus, and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Hold on to the words spoken to you. Hold on to the things done to you. Ponder them. Don't let them go. Even when the pieces of the puzzle don't seem to fit right away, hold on to the pieces. Because in the fullness of time, they will all fit. And it's interesting to me that this same woman, Mary, who pondered these things in her heart, the promises that were spoken to her, the things that were done to her and to her family, that she was the one who ended up giving some advice down the road. Where she followed her own advice by just being one who's quick to obey and just simply do what you're told to do. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And as she had a, a pattern in her life of doing that and seeing results, just obeying and seeing results, and as she held on to that and never let it go, then in John chapter 2, maybe 30 years later, she was in a situation where she could give some people some of the same advice that she followed. Where they were at a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And they ran out of wine. And this Mary, who had all this experience with just hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. And would hear these things and, and have these things happen. And just always pondered them in her heart and remembered them. And still pondering them and remembering them even at that point in John chapter 2, which is 30 years later. The advice she gives to the people at that wedding feast when they run out of wine and don't know what to do. She points to Jesus and says, whatever he says to do, do it. And so the thing that was so deeply rooted and anchored in her and that she never let go. She was able to share that same wisdom and advice with others. And because they did whatever he said to do, they got results just like she got results. Glory to God. Amen.